West Beyond. Carl, Ryan, and Sam review the new movies you may want to see and talk a little news along the way. Venture with them for The Quest Beyond. The Quest Beyond is back again another week. Uh, Usually we're here reviewing new movies that have come out on streaming service and we like to tell you guys where you should spend your time if you got all this time at home if you've been living the quarantine life all these movies you want to watch these tv shows you're spending time on the family members you want to be ignoring all that good stuff it's going to be more apparent this episode than ever because we're not just reviewing one movie we're actually all going to give our top 10 favorite things we've watched over covid so that's kind of like early marchish area till now our top tens it's it's we're loose on it we're not going to give exact dates but i think sam called it the covid 10 so covid 10 is what we'll do we'll each give you a list of our own and we'll let you guys know where you should have spent your time and if you haven't you i'm sure you still got some time to catch up so you can backtrack and look at that but before we get there we put off news last week so we'll bring that back and we're going to talk about that next i'm ryan starfire hey i'm sam mclennan and i'm a very tired kyle slash lugan 17 <laughs> sleepy boy i'm hey, real very tired. sleepy yeah it's gonna get tucked in after this is a big old bourbon bottle <laughs> um. kentucky bourbon kentucky mash oh, the secret go. to health uh, no bourbon <laughs> well yes so we got all that to look forward to and next week's going to be a big week as well we'll talk about that more at the end of this but some big things coming next week big build up as well it's got some backstory that may or may not have got thrown in the garbage at one point (laughs) (laughs) well we can talk about all that later as up first before we get into our top tens we got the news Well, usually these days, they don't give you a piece of paper anymore to tell you what's happening. You can just go online to find it. Some things you can subscribe to and they'll tell you, but how about we do some of the heavy lifting for you guys? All you got to do is sit there and listen. We'll tell you guys what's on the news, what's on the docket here. We got a few things that came out. Up first, a trailer for, it was a, I believe, Tony winning play musical that was out there musical thank you uh called in the heights and famously had lin-manuel miranda uh with that one he is not back to star in this one but he is back in a cameo appearance uh this one directed by john m chu of crazy rich asians fame and he's attached to pretty much every second project right now (laughs) so i'm waiting to see if he's actually going to do half of them or not but he's all over the place this one, we actually got two trailers for In the Heights, one called Powerful, one called Washington Heights, and we're going to get to watch this June 17th of this year after an hour-long delay, or hour, a year-long delay for this movie, <laughs> so you had to wait a whole hour for this one. Uh, but yes, Kyle, you being the biggest, I'd say, fan that I know of the Lin-Manuel Mirandaverse, How'd you feel about In the Heights, these two trailers? I had it on my list of anticipated for this year. 
So, yes, it comes out in June. Very excited. Going to watch it in HBO Max glory. Um, I have to say, I liked the two different trailers because they focused on different things. This was the first show that starred and was written by Lin-Manuel. It, didn't win, it won Best New Musical at the Tony Awards. And interesting history was it was actually produced initially by or was going to be produced um, with Harvey Weinstein. But then I've heard, uh, I've heard that name. Yeah. Before. What happened to that guy? Yeah, he's he's a <laughs> he's something. And then Warner Brothers bought him out for his producing credits. So he's no longer attached. Thank goodness. But I have to say, I'm really happy that John M. Chu made Crazy Rich Asians before this because there wa- I believe there was a conversation that was public post the movie being made, which was Lynn thinking like, yeah, you can make it for certain amount of money it shouldn't be and then john m chu post chris Chris, post crazy rich asian said no lynn we'll be okay we can get double that so he was able to use the clout that he earned from crazy rich asians and visually this looks spectacular i was saying to nalina after watching the trailers a couple times it seems to have done the best style of adaptation for a musical which is it is playing to the medium that they have they're using full three-dimensional space they're almost using extravagant colors it's not just we're in this place and we have to stay here like the settings are changing the cast is really interesting actually because anthony ramos who's playing usnavi who is the lead originally played by lin-manuel actually played john lawrence and philip Hamilton in the Hamilton Broadway production and then went on to play Usnavi in a Hollywood tour I believe of In the Heights so he's heavily involved with Lynn so I believe this is his first starring role in a film but I, I love this soundtrack it's it's got all the rapid speaking and rap that Lynn famously interweaves with his classic musical stylings and it's got dr dre Corey hawkins from straight out of compton playing uh benny and christopher jackson who played john washington not john george washington in oh my god my brain in hamilton also originated the role of benny and in the heights and he plays an ice key ice cream truck driver in this film as well so him and lynn seem to have cameos i think there's a couple others that have been rumored to be kind of interwoven throughout the movie jimmy smith's is in it and the whole movie is about the latinx community almost being wiped out of the washington heights area in new york so i think musically if you liked hamilton you should definitely check this out when you can where you can and i have to say that i'm really excited for it and these trailers just continue to add to my excitement Ryan, I think we're going to have to watch Hamilton at some point to catch up here. <laughs> it's on my list, but I saw it had like a three hour plus runtime and I was like, it's two and a half I already, hours. I already got something else that's pretty hefty to watch nowadays. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Coming up. But yes, Hamilton's on the to watch list. I'm, it was very famous on Broadway. Of course, it was one of the few in more recent memory that made it into like the public conversation as being quite like well done and like a must see so if you were lucky enough to see hamilton on stage before that like original cast started breaking up and everything and started doing their own things you definitely had that chance uh you would have seen 
one of the girls from our next news topic as she was set to star in the cast of Hamilton on Broadway before the pandemic shut it down. And that is Yana Peralt, who is going to be, I believe she's going to be Bubbles. No, she's going to be a but- butter, yeah, Buttercup. There we go. Buttercup. And we got Dove Cameron, who's going to be Bubbles. And we got Chloe Bennett, who's going to be Blossom. And if all those silly names mean anything to you, that's because the Powerpuff Girls and the CW are bringing us a live action version. Because this is what we've all been wanting, isn't it, guys? <laughs> Who, Didn't you ask for this? <laughs> who's going to play Mojo Jojo? That's that's the real question. Well, he'll be CGI, right? Like, <laughs> I, I want. Here's my fan casting. I want Paul Giamatti in a gorilla outfit. You need a deeper <laughs> voice, right? Because Mojo, he's like down there. Like, I don't want Rhino from Amazing Spider-Man 2 in a monkey suit. Like, no. Are you sure? You. Are you sure? I'm sure. I'm sure. Come here, Powder Puffs. Yeah. <laughs> this is a show nobody asked for, but I will definitely be watching the pilot day one. Because my morbid curiosity is at an 11 for what this is going to be. Well, yeah. So, I mean, those of us that have watched the show... The, the Powerpuff Girls had a very specific art style, and the, the Powerpuff Girls themselves have a very specific, like, body no shape. Yeah, and then, like, just, they're super <laughs> small, but, like, they're very powerful. I'm assuming these uh, women that were cast are full-grown women. Like, what, how, what <laughs> is like, happening it's here? It's supposed to be, like, a sequel to the show. That they're, yeah, like... It's, uh, it's like Riverdale, where yeah. it's, like, a couple okay. years after all that, oh, those events took like place. It's like twenty. There's like kindergartners yeah. in the in the show. Oh yeah, yeah. they are kindergartners. So, yeah, like, so this is yeah. this I believe is when this I is start... like post college. I would say is what this yes. starts as. I'm starting to drift away now. At this point <laughs> on, if they, if they're doing a Riverdale thing, which I guess makes sense. If it's like um, the first season of Riverdale, I'm I'm on board because the first season of Riverdale was actually really well done. It was like a toned down Twin Peaks, and then it got really stupid in season two. It turned that's to like when I fell off more like Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. There's more coming. Well, I'll tell you, I'm still watching Riverdale at season five right now, and they got aliens. Season finally. five. <laughs> the fact that it's, they never actually crossed over with Sabrina seems like such a missed opportunity. They did only, only their characters went to the other places, but they played different people. Yeah, it was so silly because in the modern era of the Archie comics, which are not the shows, but they're better. I actually have like six of the volumes of the uh, the Mark Wade Archie comics from like 2012 onward, and then the um, oh no, I can't remember specifically the the um, writer slash showrunner of the. Um, Sabrina show like Jughead is dating Sabrina currently at least he was so but okay. I mean we'll never under we've spent too much time podcasting we'll never understand the highs and lows of our city football <laughs> that's true it's a line that's from true. Riverdale Sam sorry it's like yeah, one that, of the most famous lines of the show went over my head <laughs> oh, and man. that guy's like 40 who's who Archie's telling it to I only know because I've seen the memes. This this one's a puzzler. When they announced <laughs> this and they gave the synopsis that they were going to be in the future and run into conflicts, but they're 
they're tired of that old superhero life i was like oh why do we need to know that like and if we do why is it just cartoon grown up like let's like keep you it want like all that, grown but. ups or all grown up what was the rugrat sequel it was all grown up all I grown up right yeah yeah, well, something do you like think that. we'll get the Rowdy Rough Boys at some point then? Like, they're the end of season one? They were the Mojo yeah. Jojo, like, evil trio. Yeah, the villainous boy yeah. trio to go up against the girls. Yeah, because the girls were Sugar Spice and Everything Nice, and the Rowdy Rough Boys were Snips, Snail. I'm reading this. I don't have it memorized. Yeah. Snips, Snails, and Puppy Dog Tails. You and obviously her. Chemical X. <laughs> I, the one thing like I'm gonna watch it just because I gotta see, but mm-hmm. I better see all the villains come back at some point in one fashion or that another. Weird ass lobster clown. Him. <laughs> Him. Yeah. Him? Yeah. He's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's absolutely got to be there. Fuzzy Lumpkins, the big pink guy who's got a jelly bean nose, he's got to be bouncing around. I gotta see them all. This show's still gonna suck, and I don't like the idea, but. And Bruce Greenwood should be professor. Okay, yeah. That'd be okay. They have, they've yet to announce him or the professor's casting or anyone else, so there still might be some weird left field thing that we get to see, but like I like Dove Cameron. She was on Agents of Shield for a season. She was alright. Yana I Peralt mean, I've hadn't really heard of. Chloe Bennett was like one of the leads of Agents of Shield. She was Quake, right? She- she was Quake, and she's the only one I'm against on this one because I just don't like her as a person. But <laughs> that's just that's she's dating one of the Logan or Jake Pauls or whoever. Oh and no! There's been a whole controversy with that outside of it, so I'm against her. But besides that, I'll watch the show. But I have zero expectations for this thing to take off. And it sounds like you guys are on the same wavelength. <laughs> I'll watch the pilot, and if it's as terrible as I expect, I will pull the shoot. I can only watch as somebody who is still committed to the Arrowverse. I, I'm at my my uh, CW cap currently. Yeah, I'm gonna wait for Kyle to watch the pilot, and then I'll. <laughs> and then Sam will be like, yeah. "Oh, okay," and then not watch yeah, it. And yeah, that's just him saying he's never gonna watch it. Not well, gonna happen. When we all get our vaccines, there are so many things that we have to see because Ryan and I will have seen it. That I just want to sit the three of us and watch Sam watch the stuff that we had to watch. <laughs> oh man! Like Chappie. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> oh, I watched Chappie. <laughs> like Chappie. He watched Chappie. He was excited about it. <laughs> that movie sucks. <laughs> yes, there's there's been some rough ones. This show might be a rough idea, but. Let's maybe talk about some good things that happened this year. That's right. We got our nominations released for the 93rd Academy Awards. And like we did the Golden Globes a couple weeks ago, we're not going to go through all the categories. We're not going to list everything. That's easy to look up online. But we'll talk about our favorites, maybe our dislikes, things we might have hoped that happened, anything that pops to mind on that. And unlike the Golden Globes, the Oscars is just straight movie categories. So... We'll have to leave out the television for that. Anyone, Sam, do you got any things that piqued your interest seeing these nominations? Well, I think overall it's a pretty good list. Like, I think compared to past years, there isn't, say, for Best Picture, there isn't really any stinkers in there, I would say. But you just can't help but wonder. Is uh, The Father one of those just old movies? 
like old people movies there's <laughs> always is, one yeah. there's always one there's <laughs> I, I didn't watch it but the, yeah i've seen the like the preview on netflix for it it very yeah. much is that <laughs> anthony hopkins oldest nominee yeah. apparently till Mary anthony hopkins next year or whatever and Olivia Coleman seems to be making a career on those type of movies too. Supposedly it's good. Supposedly it's good. So I mean, I don't know. It, it's it's not one I would rush to see, but I mean, hey, everyone's getting nominated from it, so it must be good. But uh, yeah, I would say like you, you you can't help but wonder if there wasn't like an asterisk on this year due to COVID, would these have been the nominations that we would get? I like. I feel like m- most of them you'd probably still see but i don't know so like some of these movies are a lot smaller than i think the academy usually lets in but uh besides that there is some like an interesting nomination in supporting with both uh daniel kaluuya and lakeith stanfield uh being nominated for supporting when pretty sure they're i haven't seen the movie yet but like one of them has got to be the lead like who's the lead of that movie then it's like it's like keith right so they're both supporting apparently they're supporting well, each you other know what it was it's it's it depends what they want to campaign at i mean i think mank okay so i will preface this i understand why it's nominated because it's a hollywood hand job and they love those like stories of the how the golden age of cinema it's nominated for too many things i liked it i don't like i mean most of it is like technical stuff which i think no but it's up for best picture oh but i mean that's an asterisk for me like it's not in the same camp as like it's not even like just best picture it's best director best actor it it got the most nominations it got 10 yeah like i'm sorry i i've this is not uh, towards the person what did amanda cyfrey do that was so special i mean i would say of anyone in that movie she brought like some humanity to it like somewhat i mean other than that everything's pretty cold in that movie but that's kind of the point though is it not yeah so i mean that's that's why she stands out the actress who played his wife gives more to the movie yeah i mean i'm not a big mank head like i'm not gonna be waving that flag but yeah. it's like it's the one that netflix is putting all their money behind i guess besides trial of chicago 7 which i think is kind of a a stinker i wasn't a huge fan of that movie i don't know about you guys Interesting. i liked it more than mank i would have preferred them to have Midnight put in sky <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh to five bloods it got completely shut out besides one original score uh soundtrack yeah, that is uh, like the fact that that's not in there delroy lindo uh got shut out which is a real shame but um i'm a little bummed out to not see so many uh this i think it was only one nomination for white tiger the one yeah for which, adapted screenplay adapted screenplay yeah yeah so it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, yeah. it. I think uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are going to win another Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're slowly building a pretty, 
pretty fancy career. They got two nominations for Best Original Score, as they did at the Golden Globes as well for Mank and Soul. Who is doing um, the score for Top Gun 2? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Is it... Because they would be perfect. Is it like uh, Daft Oh, Punk? it's Hans Zimmer. That makes sense. Oh, okay. He did the first one. But if Tron That's, That was the actually, chance for Kenny Loggins to make the jump. <laughs> I want a no, it's I want like uh what's his name? Who's the uh, uh DJ Khaled Danger Zone. Um uh, Randy Newman. No, but I <laughs> I can't even process that right now. Um, Going I mean, real fast in my jet. I was shocked to see how many nominations there were for um for Borat. Yeah, Borat like got an acting uh, nomination. <laughs> yeah, this this that was the point I was going to make too. Is just how does Borat keep getting nominated? And like for best adapted screenplay, <laughs> what did it adapt from? <laughs> I think it's because it's based on previous characters. It's based made on the show. And, and yeah. A show. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. If it's based on they, something that already existed, they really find their way to wiggle into certain categories. I mean, yeah, talk about like, wiggling in onward. Just what's saying. her? What's or her on, name? Yeah. Maria Bakalova was good. Like she, she puts on yeah. a really, like, she should get the Oscar just for having to deal with R- Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah, that that was a scary situation to put yeah. that girl in. Yeah. But hey, she might lose to Glenn Close from <laughs> Hillbilly Elegy. I don't know if you guys saw that movie, but um, that's on the to watch list too. <laughs> like she plays I, Mima. Mima, and. <laughs> Well, I have to say, think, out of this list, the things I saw, Judas and the Black Messiah is probably my favorite thing that I've seen. Uh, yeah, I'm really, I haven't watched that yet, and I haven't watched Nomadland, um, which seems, yeah, to, be, seems no, to be a favorite. Nomadland and Minari seem to be the ones that I'm like, I gotta watch these before yeah. these awards are handed out. Yes. But, but yeah, I would say, like, it's a solid year you know, given the, the year that we have, and uh, it doesn't have like a movie though. Like, I think yeah. I just thinking uh, maybe because everyone's been home. Sorry, Sam. And there's so much stuff. Like typically, you had like your you had your Moonlight versus La La Land, your Shape of Water versus everything else. Like there's always like contenders, and this year it's just sort of like here's your things. <laughs> here are the movies that came out oh yeah it's, it's a weird year i'd say and for the first year best visual effects is not all superhero movies there's actually none in there because we that, haven't had a single movie. yeah that's wild and um tenet i feel like w- would have been a well it would have been a i i think a heavy contender for a lot of the technical awards and it seems to be mainly absent like there's visual effects and well it shouldn't be in any of the sound categories let's be honest sure but then like (laughs) there's no score nomination which is interesting because that movie is like heavy on the score Mm -hmm. no editing no cinematography so like maybe warner brothers after nolan gave his whole like backhand to them was just uh, like we're screw not up. pushing any of your yeah. stuff yet. But no more money for you. It seems so weird to me that like these like these are the movies. I, I mean, we could we're gonna 
I, I could say this about every category, so I'm not going. Midnight Sky got nominated for an Oscar, but what the fuck? <laughs> Why not? It's, you know? It came my, out. My, my biggest complaint is Eurovision got Best <laughs> Original Song nomination for Husevik, but it was not Yaya Ding Dong. What right? are we doing here? This is ridiculous. Is that as bad yeah. as it, people said it was? I got a few laughs. Okay. Yeah, I good. mean, Raquel and I tried to watch it, and we got about halfway through until we were just like, let's just go to sleep. So, I mean, that's <laughs> usually we try and finish a movie, but no, I don't know. It didn't really hold our attention. I that's, mean, the most interesting thing is how um, Minari was put on regular picture list. Or, sorry, domestic picture list. Unlike the, Unlike the Golden Globes. Press. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was a big statement for them to do. That they were like, yeah, we're not going to play that game. We're not going to step in this hole that the Hollywood Forum Press put themselves in. Yeah, whatever they were doing. Oh, and idiots. Yeah, besides that, we'll actually have to wait and see who's going to get these awards. April 25th is when we'll find out who's going to win. So we'll touch back on it then and talk about maybe the movies we've seen by then that have won or not won. And also just what we liked and disliked at that point in time. So we'll put a pin in this for now and we'll pick it up again late April to talk about this. But that's been the Academy Awards this year and all their nominations. So all the good stuff that they say has happened this year. But... We have something else to say about that because we are also going to give a list of sorts of our favorite things because the COVID top 10 or next, you're going to get to stick around and hear all three of our own personalized top 10 favorite things we've watched over COVID so far. And that's coming next. As promised, the COVID-10. We're each going to give our own top 10 lists here of things we've watched over quarantine, over these, this whole COVID period. So that's dating back to March of last year. As long as it fell within reason, we're going to let it go. But it's kind of released in that area. We've watched it. We've liked it, obviously, to make this list. And it can happen all the way up till, we'll say yesterday, to be fair. <laughs> For certain reasons that I'm sure Kyle will address at the start of his. But I guess to get it started, we're each going to give our 10 to 8, one at a time. And then we'll go from 7, 6, 5, and then 4, 3, 2. And then we'll all give our number ones at the end. So starting with Sam. Oh. 10, 8, 10, 9, 8, Sam. Okay. Number 10. And I guess all your 12 shout outs that you like to give your honorable mentions <laughs> okay i was gonna say those for the end but yeah sure i can just say them now honorable mentions guys <laughs> honorable mentions your favorite part of the show um i'm thinking of ending things charlie kaufman's movie that was on netflix it's weird it's a weird one i liked it it's really weird though uh bad boys for life want to give a shout out to the last movie i saw in a theater also, the highest grossing movie of 2020, <laughs> Will Smith, still in it. Um, and then the final one is The Trip to Greece, the most recent entry in the trip movies with Steve Coogan, Rob Brydon, these, these two comedians who basically travel to different parts of the world. They've been to Italy, Spain, 
parts of the UK. Um, and it's basically like travel porn slash food porn. And it's funny. They do impressions. It's the best. So I like it. Uh, and that's on Amazon Prime. Those are honorable mentions. Okay, so number 10. Um, I'm starting off with a real dad movie, guys. Uh, Tom Hanks came out with a naval combat movie over quarantine. Greyhound, Apple TV Plus. It was one of the main things to sign up for, like back when that first came out. If I'm yeah, not mistaken. It was one of the first like three or four movies they were pitching hard. Absolutely. And my expectations were low on that one. I'm like, okay, so they're just kind of throwing this. I mean, I'm assuming it was supposed to have a theatrical run. It's really hard to tell. I can't remember. But they threw it on Apple TV Plus. I checked it out. And it surprised me. It's a it's a good time. It's a little slim in terms of like um, just like a intelligent plot. But it's not really about that. It's kind of just a, like I said, a naval combat. Almost like a, a we got to get from point A to point B. And there's just u-boats everywhere how are we going to do this and tom hanks being the smart every man that he is he commands these these troops and uh it really gets into like the nitty-gritty of like this is all before like computers guys this is all like they had to literally just do the math okay there's a torpedo coming in like how do like what angles are coming in we have to turn this way and it's it's really tense um I liked it for, and it's very, it's like dad movie with a capital D A D, but I like it was, it. it was floating insomnia. If you ever, <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. And Tom Hanks wrote this movie, which is yeah. wild. Um, it certainly wasn't his son, Chet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll handle Greyhound too. I don't know. Um, dad, is this movie about a bus? <laughs> uh okay moving on number nine um first cow moo moo first cow yeah um first cow by kelly reichardt it's an old western guys okay stick with me western movie two buddies they're making donuts for the villagers okay and if you think about it in the west having like sweets was probably such a delicacy right so these guys like a cow arrives into town it's the first cow it's the one cow they start stealing the milk making these donuts and it's a big hit they're making they're raking in the dough the movie's basically about like friendship these two guys are buddies getting away with this crime here even though it's a really petty crime it it's significant to them. They're actually making more money than they ever have. And then things start to unravel from there. Um, it's kind of like these, these two guys who are kind of like more gentle or bakers. They're not like the, the tough crowd that would occupy the wild west. Right. But these still, they still make it through together. Kind of has a tragic ending, but I would recommend it's kind- it. This kind of sounds like Breaking Bad, but with donuts. <laughs> donuts and cows and milk. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, and then finally, number eight it is the first TV show on my list. A reality TV show. Tiger called... King. No. <laughs> the, the Circle. Have you guys watched The Circle? 
No, or have you guys no. heard of the circle? I've heard, heard of the of circle. It, yes. I have not watched it. Have okay. Watched it. I am someone who rarely watches reality TV. Okay. My wife Raquel was watching this. This was like at the beginning of quarantine. I'm kind of like standing, you know, above her over the couch, just like, what, what are you watching? What is this? It's basically like the perfect quarantine show. Okay, guys, these the contestants are all in their own apartments. Okay, by themselves, you they create an account on the circle. This is the the social media platform of the show, the circle. You create a platform or uh, uh, an, uh, an account. And the goal is to just like interact with the other contestants in the show. Um, and you try and make friends. You try and make alliances. At the end of each episode, they have to essentially vote someone out. But the, 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 the twist here is because it's social media, you can catfish. You can pretend to be a different person. You can, like, you can post you know you I, I could be posting pictures and i'm like a uh you know a woman with you know with kids and like it's just you can be anyone you want and some of these people attempt that strategy some people try a more genuine approach um so it's and when you get voted out you get to go you get to pick someone to visit like you get to go to their apartment and then you can essentially have a personal confirmation if that person was catfishing or not um it's it's a wild show i was hooked immediately i can't wait for a season two there they've made seasons in different countries so there's like a circle france a circle brazil there's probably other countries i don't know about yet but um they're supposed <laughs> to you don't know of other countries or <laughs> those are the only circle. three i know <laughs> yeah um so i they've said that they're doing a season two in the states um so i'm just waiting for that to drop at some point but i would give it a watch it's uh it was fun it was good fun interesting i'm glad i hope they don't pop up later but i'm glad you didn't do like what was the one about just hot idiots too Is hot it to love handle is- too hot to handle thank you too hot to like, handle there was something else it was like love island love no hot yeah was it too hot to handle or um it, there was a reality show that came out like right after we had finished the circle and it was like hot or not or something i don't know but it probably was that. too hot to handle but as long as that isn't making anyone's lists i think that's a win overall uh, i don't but. know <laughs> well, for those are sam's that. yeah Sam's first one. That's his 10 to 8. We'll go to Kyle next. All right. So, I, over much deliberation with myself, I have I, tr- I tried to keep it to things that, quite honestly, were my favorites, and I kept it to March 20th to March 20th, 2020 and 2021. So, I have one honorable mention, because um, it came out in January, but... I think it needs discussion or is required uh, to be commented on. And that was sex education season two. That show was great. And I could not believe it came out in January. That feels like so long ago. I feel like sex education is one of those shows. That's going to get a lot of traction in the future after it's done its run. And it has yeah. a bunch of seasons to binge. Cause it's a great show. It's so good. Okay. But out of that, I don't have any other honorable mentions. So, number 10, the I, what I would consider to be the spiritual sequel to Superman the movie, 
which is one of the first things I believe we reviewed in this phase of the podcast, and that is Wonder Woman 84. I think it's a lot of fun. I love the charm and earnestness of the film. And it's it's just it's a fun, entertaining superhero movie that's all about heart. And I think that's really cool. I understand the criticisms, but it was for me, and I loved it. Get me more Gal Gadot, Gadot and Chris Pine any day. And things are good, but they can be better. And they are with number nine, Mandalorian Season 2. Hell yeah. We got, yes, we got more of Jin Jaren and Baby Yoda. And we got the live action debut of Ahsoka Tano. So love me some Star Wars. Dave Filoni, please don't do any more Star Wars resistances because you belong with the Mandalorian. And it was good. And it was Luke Skywalker was in the end as a floating deep fake. And that was really cool. And we <laughs> talked about it. So if you want to hear us talk about it some more. Go well, listen to that episode. His face, at least, was a floating. His face was a deep fake. Yeah, yeah. The body was a stuntman. Um, and at number eight, uh, the one I'm probably going to talk about most in this pack of in this three pack, which is a show that I thoroughly enjoy. I it, while being slightly repetitive in the setup for the season overall, I think it explores a lot of really interesting things given the time that we were going through and continue to kind of go through. Uh, Stop Asian hate, by the way. And what was going on in the States with BLM. And that is Umbrella Academy Season 2. Came out in July of 2020. This show is a weird as fuck X-Men. And I am all for it. It's really awesome. It'll be really cool to see what they do moving forward. Have you guys seen Season 2? I haven't seen Season 1. Oh, okay. Um, But no, so it's the exploration of time travel and being in Dallas in the 1960s leading up to the J.K.J. FK assassination I thought the drama was really great and the exploration of of the of the seven was great and I can't wait to see where we go with the sparrows so I'm not going to tell you what that means because you guys haven't seen it but if you know you know well there we go there's a there's a whole list of stuff a couple tv shows for Kyle I myself miss the memo we're doing TV shows, so I only have limited series and movies. So <laughs> I'll say that now. If I liked a TV show, it will not be on this list, but only for that reason. Not that I did not like it. Uh, with that, one of those limited series is going to be my honorable mention, and that is Queen's Gambit, of course. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. A lot of people have their opinions on it, but love Anya Taylor-Joy loved the story of this young girl this young orphan who gets addicted to tranquilizers because they help her focus on learning how to play chess and she can imagine it in her mind and go over all the scenarios and it takes her all the way to the top where she faces off with a pretty much russian superstar wonderkin uh in a heavy american versus russia tale over the chessboard um With that, my second honorable mention, my last honorable mention, is a movie that got bumped off the list last night when I did a scramble change, which I will address that movie when it pops up on here, but it bumped Borat, the second movie off. I was going to say, this was the movie that, when it was coming out, I was like, Jesus, really? You made a sequel to Borat? I'll watch it, but that's going to suck. And boy, was I wrong. 
I got a lot of good laughs out of that one. It was very, we'll say educational, but it shined a spotlight on some of the scarier things in America that you like to pretend every day aren't actually happening, but it's fucking terrifying that they are happening somewhere out there. So yeah, it was a big wake up call in that regard, but it finds a way to put a comedic spin on it as we're seeing all the awards showing praise to it. I think it connected to a lot of people this year, uh, especially in Hollywood. So it's completely taken it off. So I got a lot of respect for Borat and I thought it was a great time. If you haven't watched it, it's definitely worth checking out with that. Jump into my number 10 was definitely something that was mentioned already and i will unironically mention it again because this series came out to kick off covid it was the talk of the town in everyone's house it was tiger king absolutely i was wondering me some if this was gonna pop up yeah had to joe exotic carol vaskin Hell yeah, I was talking about it every day for like a month after with my coworkers. I don't have enough bourbon for this. There's st- like when we do our Zoom calls in the morning, s- someone always does the green screen background of what's his face doing the jet ski drive by. <laughs> it's all happening. It's crazy. I don't know why they did the Joel McHale after show thing. That completely just ruined any yeah. hype for this going forward. I hope they don't do any more because they're just going to ruin it and it's already been mined. Just let it go at this point. I can admit to that, but goddamn, watching these tiger wars that exist in the southern states of America are just the craziest thing. I could not believe what I was watching every time a new episode started and the amount of shit that happens in these zoos, we'll call them, these pens that are holding... 60s, 70s, 300 tigers, who knows who owns what, and who knows what type of shit they were getting into while on this market, but... It's uh, it's wild how this show will be a milestone in the history books for this pandemic. Like, when you're going to explain to your grandkids what you did when this pandemic started, it's like, well, like the rest of the world, we all watched Tiger King, so... Have a watch and see what we watched back then. And I'm I'm fully on board, and I 100% agree. If COVID didn't happen, this show would have went nowhere. <laughs> I would have never seen this show. You don't but think because, it would have been like the making a murderer was that one time? No chance. Not at all. I think this would have died so curious. quickly. No, I think this one was a flash in the pan for sure. Yeah. But somehow... It caught fire. Jess was watching it, and I just happened across the right episode to catch my attention that I had to immediately sit down and binge it myself. And, like, I can agree that it's nuts, and I can agree the stupidity that exists on this thing. But I cannot deny how captivating it is watching (laughs) stupid people do stupid things. That's one of my favorite things ever to do in real life. (laughs) I'm going to watch people do it on a TV show. Absolutely. Let's make America exotic again. Come on, guys. <laughs> on to my number, number nine. 10? Yeah, that was my number 10. Oh on my to my God. number nine. <laughs> it only goes up from here. Yeah, it only goes up from here. It's a movie that also, also, a movie that I guess also with Borat got nominated for an Academy Award this year. And that was in the special effects category. 
That's a little indie called Love and Monsters, starring Dylan O'Brien. And I believe it also has Jessica Henwick, who we all know and love from Iron Fist. So, and Game but of essentially, Thrones. and Game of Thrones, yes, she, she was brutally killed in her. one of the last seasons. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, the story about post-apocalyptic. All these monsters are kind of taking over the world. They run the surface. Everyone else has to live underground, and they're slowly getting picked off. And before it happened, this guy experienced love for the first time, and. He's kept in contact with the woman he loves and he's just not feeling connected and the people in his bunker with him. They just, they treat him like shit and they just don't respect him. They think he can do nothing. He's got a lot to prove to himself. So he's got to take it to the surface world. He's got to book it across a couple states and find the woman he loves. And it's a great tale. It completely deserves this nomination that it got. The effects on the monsters were great. It felt like a good indie version of the Monster Hunter movie that came out, which really seemed like just a bad idea. It it was done. Monster Hunter was done by the same guy that did the Resident Evil movies. Of course, it had Mila Jovovich coming back. And that horribly mo- offensive Chinese joke. Yes, that one that was cut in the version I saw, but I did hear about that one. And yes, it just seems like a better done version of that with a bit more practical effects and special effects i think people can take notes as to how to stretch a budget when it's an indie movie doing something big like that and love and monsters did it beautifully and i'd recommend if you get a chance to check it out go ahead and do that and my number eight a controversial movie that is going to pop up because it got a lot of flack when it came out and got pushed back a couple times but i finally got to saw it the hunt this movie by, produced by Jason Bloom. Uh, it had Emma Roberts in it. had Betty Gilpin from... Uh, forgetting the name of it. Glow? The wrestling show. Glow, thank you. And Ike Barinholtz. So yes, Hillary Swank's in there too. But it's essentially pissed off Donald Trump. Because it was very... Not kind to the Republic side, Republican side of politics and the most controversial movie ever made was one of the ads for that (laughs) that's one of the ads yes yeah and i believe it had a troubled release like it was already delayed pre-covid it Mm -hmm. finally was about to release and then the world shut down the world shut down so it yeah i think it got pushed back four or five times total before it was finally released in some capacity so because of all that it did terribly at the box office but when it released digitally, I got a chance to watch it. And goddamn, was it funny. It was the, I would say, equivalent of Cabin in the Woods uh, fun and making fun of itself in the genre, but still doing it in a quality storytelling way. So I would recommend if you can check out The Hunt, absolutely do it. It is not offensive in any way. It is just poking fun, stupid things that stupid people do. And again, seems to be a theme here. That's a theme that I like to watch. <laughs> and the best part that's kind of break it apart from Cabin in the Woods, no Joss Whedon involved in this one. So Fuck mm. you, Joss. Sorry. There you go. You can definitely check out this one and enjoy laughing at all these people. They're just doing ridiculous things. And Damon Lindelof was one of the writers on it. Oh, that's boy. Nice. So is the ending really bad? The ending is not as predictable as you would think. 
Oh, that's a. They're not in purgatory the whole time. Not, not this time. <laughs> they weren't in uh, purgatory the whole. <laughs> Where's my soapbox? Yes. Well, Sam, you can I'm jump on your soapbox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, jump back here on we your go. Box. Seven to five, Sam. Seven to five. Here we go. Uh, number seven. Um, a part of the Small Axe series of films that Steve McQueen, the filmmaker behind 12 Years a Slave and Widows, uh, he made like basically five movies for Amazon Prime. And one of them in the Small Axe series, Lovers Rock, uh, is a romance movie that takes place, I believe, in the 80s and is takes place completely within a house party a like a reggae house party uh in west london uh just kind of follows a couple of the characters there uh mainly one of the females and she and this one guy they kind of meet and it's kind of a meet cute thing you get completely dropped into this house party especially in the scenes where there's the music is blaring. The people are dancing. You honestly feel like you're there. You're like a fly on the wall. Um, it has such a great sense of like atmosphere, um, and it really like it came out again within during this pandemic in a time where we were socially distanced. No parties allowed. No, no, no. So watching this, it really just kind of reminded you how great parties can be you know and hopefully we can get back to that point but um lovers rock i would highly recommend it's a lot of fun uh so my number six kind of stretching the the rule i guess lines here i went with the invisible man okay it came out in february i didn't actually watch it till closer till october was looking for spooky things to watch during Halloween season. And I was thoroughly entertained and surprised by this movie. I like didn't know what to expect. I love Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men fame. And I know this was coming from the, the filmmakers behind the, some of the Saw movies and Insidious. So going in, didn't expect it to be so satisfyingly tense and like thrilling um it even touches upon certain themes of like you know mental illness and you know domestic abuse trauma um it does get somewhat cheesy and i guess it being a monster movie right because this is like a remake of the old monster movie it does get cheesy towards the end um, but I, I was a little bit more forgiving with it. It, it has some serious, like effective scares in this movie. Like the fact that they can just show a empty chair in the corner of a room and you're just like questioning in that silence, if there's someone sitting in that chair or I don't know that the invisible man is there. Well, it, uh, to like to do that, but then also the opposite side of that, of two people are just sitting there having dinner and all of a sudden this guy's throat just gets slashed and <laughs> yes. blood out of nowhere yeah it's insane 
some what they really like play around with that effect and like what can be done if someone is invisible i guess like just nefarious things that can be done if one is invisible um especially one that is like this i mean the character is supposed to be a stalker a really dangerous stalker type um yeah i thought it was a great like modern rendition of that kind of story so um i would highly recommend that we we can all thank god that paul verhoven did not get another crack at this story <laughs> because last time he did it was quite it's a hollow man yeah hollow man yeah yeah and it was, it was, it was sprinkle in a little bacon you know yeah There's, that, that one was questionable some of the actions that happened <laughs> yes yeah very you true take it on the intense side but <laughs> um okay so number five i have a limited true crime series or documentary series premiered on hbo called murder on middle beach and this came from a first-time filmmaker where his mother was brutally murdered at his home when he was a kid now he's older and trying to come to terms with what happened there's still many questions the case was never solved and over spanning years he conducted interviews with family and police and anyone he could really talk to in relation to the case um filmed the whole thing like it, it yeah it span i don't know how many years it spans it must be like five or six or something but did he um, become an investigative um i guess part of the police force at all he didn't um okay. he he completely like it's all for the documentary and he manages to get these interviews uh for the documentary he gets he he actually sneaks like he has interviews with the police like the detectives on the case um and he secretly records conversations with them at the police station and um it starts to unravel and that there's kind of like there's corruption there's conspiracy uh he confronts family members but like potential suspects as to someone who could have killed his mom did it, it's, he yeah. is he able to run very quickly and is his father framed for this murder by <laughs> chance his father is a a top suspect and one that like seems very elusive and he there's a couple points where he secretly um records their conversations and and captures their conversations and really these people won't know that that happened until this was released so and the final episode uh information is released um from last this past october so like it and that's when it was close to it like it was the end of october that, that this series released so like he was finding out stuff right up until the show came, started to come out so spoiler alert nothing is com completely solved but they do get further into the case because of what he does like he is the driving force behind it the detectives have essentially you know just meandered so it's a it's a gripping show and one that also just kind of looks at it's kind of like a farewell and a coming to terms with his mom's life and it's it can be quite emotional so 
I know there's a lot of true crime fans out there, and if you haven't seen this on HBO, uh, I would definitely recommend. Well, if you didn't catch on, I was trying to allude to this is the exact same story that happens to The Flash. So all my questions were... Related? <laughs> <laughs> was Flash. I see. Is it, it okay. a time traveler that killed his mother <laughs> that ends up being his arch rival? That's what we got to find out. We'll see, man. We'll see. I'm not going to, you know... I'm not going to rule out zoom, anything. Zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs> All right, Kyle. We're jumping to you. I guess you're seven to five. Number seven is WandaVision. Go to that episode. Uh, <laughs> no. I. We needed some Marvel stuff. It's been a long time, and it was overly over overall quite satisfying. I actually um, slowly rewatched through the whole season this past week. I think it's real good. I think it is going to hold up in the pantheon of the MCU, and it's going to be a, a must-watch for a Phase 4 rewatch, given how it's kind of the beginning. Although, technically, we learned that Falcon and the Winter Soldier might happen before this. So, okay, which is interesting, but we'll get into that next week. Uh, number six is Howard, is the documentary about Howard Ashman, that came out on Disney Plus August or uh, August 7th, I believe, in 2020. So Howard Ashman, if you don't know, wrote the greatest lyrics in Disney history. He and his uh, writing partner, Alan Menken, wrote the scores for Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and a significant amount of Aladdin f- uh, was composed by Howard Ashman prior to his passing away due to AIDS. This documentary made me cry all over the place. And if you grew up loving Disney, I don't know somebody who didn't. I think this is a must watch to educate yourself on the impact of this very talented um, lyricist slash uh, screenwriter. I'm pretty sure you talked about this recently. I'm not sure if it was on the podcast or not, but I got wicked deja vu when you brought this back up. I may have. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was you. But yes, you've been talking about it for a while, and I've heard good things about it. Yes. And number five, everybody get up. It's time to slam now, because we're getting a real jam. Welcome to the Space Jam. The Last Dance. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Which I think swept, like, that, what was it, a couple weeks? How many? Six weeks, right? Uh, They came out two at a time, so yeah, I think it was... A five month weeks. Or five yeah. weeks. That, yeah. That was a storm. The summer of 2020, gobbling up that content. Oh my goodness, I, I love basketball. I think my passion for it has grown in the past four or five years. But it's hard to not like Mike, and the stuff that these guys went through for their championships. The totally not mandated year off to play baseball which wasn't really addressed but that's okay we all know what really happened and oh getting to see the overall story of michael jordan all essentially created a genre this is not an honorable mention because it was nowhere near as good a documentary but in it inspired a green light for a tom brady one we're getting i think this year and tiger which was just tmz but no the last dance was something special and if you want a really interesting story about somebody's just pure determination to succeed in their 
area of expertise, I think you should watch The Last Dance. Lil Bow Wow was a huge Mike fan. <laughs> he wanted to be like Mike. That's a good an endorsement as anyone can give. So He's there just Bow Wow now. He's just Bow Wow now, but this is when he's still Lil. So. When he was still Lil, yes. Starting at my number seven, it is a movie we talked about fairly recently, so we won't go too far back into it, but Raya and the Last Dragon popping back up. Had to get some Disney on there. Disney's had some good shit coming out over quarantine, and some of them they made you pay for, some of them they didn't, but either way, it's usually worth it when you're investing in Disney if you're putting your time into it, and Raya did just that. It was a great story, a great new storytelling of the princess and what she can do if she's just a straight badass who already can kick ass and has a cool chainsword. Oh, and there's dragons. Yeah. And Tuck Tuck. Yeah, I can't forget Tuck Tuck. Hell <laughs> oh, yes, Tuck Tuck, of course. Uncle Pop is now available for redemption on Disney Movie Insiders. There you go. <laughs> go get your Tuck Tuck on. That's all we'll say with that. Moving on from that, uh, our boy, he... He went through some trouble in his personal life. He went through some deep trouble in his personal life when he dropped his Dunkin' Donuts all over the place. But <laughs> he had a wonderful comeback in this movie. Yeah, when he reteamed with Gavin O'Connor, and that's our boy Ben Affleck. Was that in the I way back that was before May twentieth or March twentieth? I think it was early March. March something. March six. Yeah. Am I the only one who stuck to this deadline? All right. Yeah. Yeah, As soon as Sam said, I'm going February Invisible Man, I'm (laughs) like, well, I'm doing way back then. Wait, okay. Way back was incredible. It was. Yeah, good movie. Loved way back. It's, yeah, it's tugging on those same strings that everyone loves Coach Carter for. And that's just, you know, if there's a lot of dysfunction, if there's a lot of problems in personal life, but you take that onto the court and there's just. It's a way to bond, and it's a way to grow as people, and it's a way to come back from, I guess, just shitty, shitty hands that you might have in your personal life. So, I would highly recommend it if you have not seen The Way Back. I mean, I know the point of the movie is not to admire his drinking, but <laughs> that, uh, Affleck crushed some beers in that movie. He, he, was, he was taking his, he was using real life experience, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah he was he was having a rough time that was not his drink of poison in the real life but he was putting it down just the same like there was always a beer in hand i feel like every chasing that dragon metaphorically and literally check out his he was on his own raya (laughs) his own raya (laughs) some quest there but yeah it seemed like every time he restarted a scene he had to reopen another beer that's how much he drank in that movie but it seemed to get gavin o'connor need to team up more Every year, every year, I want a new movie from them because yep. I've never seen a bad one yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would absolutely recommend this to anyone. I know it It kind of got tucked under the radar just because it was like the week before the world shut down that it came out. So not a lot of people got to see it and a lot of people, I'm sure, forgot about it at that point. But if you can hunt down the way back, it's absolutely worth it. And my spooky movie coming in at my number five i believe is the number we're on now and that is come play so that's starring jillian jacobs i believe she's of community fame yeah Mm -hmm. and yeah john gallagher jr who plays oliver in this one is an autistic boy 
and he cannot communicate at all, but he somehow makes a friend through his screens in his house, his laptops, his tablets, his, the tablet was the main thing, but tablets, phone screens, television screens, he's making this friend that just, just also has a tough time with his own kind. And through that, that progresses to dangerous levels. And then you find out it's not a friend in the screen at all. It's a completely huge monster that wants to come through the world into our world and take him back into his own because he doesn't have friends of his own there. Nobody else understands him. So he's going to take his soul and it's, it's creepy as all hell. I'll, I'll say that it really did a good suspenseful job. I think it did. I think it did a fairly good job. Now I'm not as educated on autism and the ways to communicate properly and whatnot, but I think it was enlightening if it was accurate with that. Was it better than music? Ah, fuck, I hope so. I will never watch music, but (laughs) goddamn, I really hope. It did not seem to get any backlash that music got, so I will trust that it did an okay job in it, but... It didn't simple jack the situation? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) There was no... I'm not going to make any more simple jack. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was completely... It was on par. Uh, It had a great twist ending that I did not see coming. And yeah, if you want a movie that just builds suspense and thrills and is kind of a backhanded comment on our society and how much we rely on screens nowadays and how we have to use them for everything and to see how sinister that could turn if something like that existed, it has great commentary on that as well. So I think it was the best scary movie that I saw all year and I would recommend that. And it's, it's not like a pure horror one. Like there's not a lot of blood or anything. So it's just good for a good jump scare too. So look for come play. If you want some of that, uh, moving on from that, we're going back to Sam for his four, three and two. So we're getting, we're getting real close now, guys to that. Number one, number four, the five bloods, Spike Lee back at it again with another joint. Um, I like this honestly I I saw this movie and I was like that's it that's the best movie I've seen I don't think anything's gonna top it obviously it's at number four now so something did top it but it was a great movie like talk about a movie that really tackles uh, the issues that veterans like the the things that veterans have to deal with and the consequences of war especially in in the countries that they take place in um so you're asking like what is it good for exactly what the heck is it good for likely absolutely nothing (laughs) um an amazing performance like such a powerhouse performance from delroy lindo shame that he didn't get a nomination um chadwick boseman is like the heart of the movie. He's excellent in it. Very tense scenes. Um, it's just so, so well done. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's on Netflix. Definitely seek it out if you haven't seen it. Um, I think more people just need to, to check this out. And again, Delroy Lindo, you the man. 
Um, okay, number three, a movie I just watched recently uh, and is apparently an Oscar contender, a heavy Oscar contender going in. I, I saw Minari. Um, very heartwarming, sweet, um, a movie about family coming to get together in rough times. Um, it has a lot of Mountain Dew in it, so you gotta love that. A really Cold red or just green? Just green. And, yeah, and it comes into it comes uh, into play with a really funny pee joke. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna ask: Is there a Shrek piss joke at all? In this? There's some piss involved in this movie, so yeah, look forward to that. There's a really good, a really great like child performance in this movie. I'm always amazed by movies that can get a great performance from a kid. It's I don't know, so rare. I don't know how they do it, but these kids are like amazing, super cute, like just again a heartwarming story. Um, it's on PVOD right now, so uh, check it out. Our boy Stephen Yun getting nominated, putting in a a really good performance. This guy's career is just taken off, guys. I think he's going to be a a superhero at some point. I don't know. But he is. He is. He's the lead in the Invincible cartoon. Oh right, okay, yeah. I, I, I mean, he'd yeah. be an amazing Nightwing. Oh, I like that. I like that. No. Or Terry McGinnis. I'll take either. <laughs> well, I look forward to whatever he does next because he's he's clearly just a rising star. Uh, and so my number two would be one that has already been mentioned. And what honestly was like in contention to be my number one. There was some flip-flop here, but Kyle mentioned The Last Dance, and we all got to recognize that that show was bonkers. That, that was a great documentary series. I couldn't believe how um, put together and just well cut this documentary was. Like clearly they went through hours upon hours of just behind the scenes you know really intimate footage with michael jordan it the man is just like a he's just fantastic subject matter like i think he's so magnetic you just want to keep watching this guy and to see the struggles that he faced as someone who was like at honestly the peak of the world like he was just the guy everyone loved him and yet he still faced uh so many struggles and you get um into the depths of that with this documentary it's really well put together um in the sense that they just kind of they literally build suspense with certain things and like they they intercut between different time periods of his career uh yeah i was hooked man this was such a great show and good on netflix and i don't think it was netflix's decision primarily i know they for us canadians it was on netflix um right after it had aired on espn for uh the americans but just to like be able to get it week to week is something i i, I really cherish i kind of like the week to week thing it i think it just like it helps with just like your kind of admiration and just like hype for each episode so yeah, Michael Jordan. I'm not even a huge basketball guy. Like I but like obviously love Michael Jordan. Obviously I'm like 
Space Jam fanatic, I'm probably going to get a tattoo of it. I don't know. But like... Toon Squad! (laughs) And I actually, I loved how they covered that kind of, that little short window of time when he made Space Jam and just to think that they made, they made the guy a, a court and like flew in players so he could train in between, you know, scenes and takes. The man was a hard worker and also let's just highlight that The Last Dance gave us a lot of great memes too for the year. I was really, I was really impressed with the memes from that one. So uh, if you haven't seen it, man, you got to watch this. Absolutely. Kyle, starting at your number four till two, what do you got for us? I think you guys are going to be surprised. I'm just going to be honest. All right. Number four, The Boys season two. If you are sleeping on The Boys, you you're tripping because this show is fantastic I did not think you could get better than season one. It was a perfect adaptation of the early stories. Season two just it made it even better. And all you got to think of is uh, in how the boundaries and uncomfortable nature that they're going to push. I'm just going to say Homelander at his cottage. And you know what I'm talking about. Show is weird, but the, the depth that it dives into with his characters are amazing. You love to hate Butcher. And Huey is just a little bitch, but he's the heart and soul of the show. And Starlight, Starbright. That's so good. Yeah. And uh, I just have one question. D- does anybody want a Fresca? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all this one's on your list. <laughs> this one, I'd be shocked if it wasn't. We'll put it that yeah. way. I mean, super all right. Nazis. That's all you got to say. Super Nazis. Come on. All right. Number three is Justice League dark apocalypse war so there's everyone listening to be like that was a movie yes yes it was so justice league dark apocalypse war was the culmination of i believe it was eight year run of direct-to-video dc uh comic book movies that were aimed at like teenagers and up they had they were more mature starting with justice league war working and all the way through animate it too sorry a- you animated, left out animate it just to animated case. films yeah so there was a, i think 12 or 13 of these films in that eight year span mm-hmm. it might be more than that and it started off kind of rough but the culmination of all these things i'm gonna spoilers for the ending of this film if you're at all curious and a diehard comic book fan this film ends with Darkseid fighting Trigon. And if you don't want that, you don't like comics. Because <laughs> it was incredible. And it, it was a really great way to wrap up the, uh, the DC animated movie universe. It scratched all the right spots. And it was... I probably watched that three or four times the week it came out. It was, it was really, really cool. And number two is... Maybe the biggest musical of all time that somehow my two co-hosts avoided <laughs> all summer, and that is Hamilton, an American Broadway musical. Um, I was I somehow I so backstory. I typically don't like listening to a Broadway album for an original show before I can see the people sing it on stage or on screen. So since 2015, didn't listen to the soundtrack. I had friends, Dr. Rain, listened to it. I was like, why haven't you, you love Hamilton? I was like, I know, but I want to see it. And then obviously it was more expensive than 
a house to see it in New York. And then it came to Toronto. That got shut down. And then it got released on Disney+. And I watched it twice that weekend. I learned all of the words to all of the songs to the point which Melody occasionally asks for my shot or guns and ships to be played on our Alexa. So it is a cultural phenomenon that you guys are missing out on. It's probably my favorite musical. And I'm just going to say, I don't think you guys know what my number one is. (laughs) No, I don't. What could it be? Well, before we get there, I got a number four, three and two to go through. And it's funny you mentioned Hamilton because it was almost watched last night because I just finished my new girl watch. I was looking for something else to enjoy. And I was like, okay, I got a lot of time today. Obviously, tomorrow there's a big, long movie that I got to watch. So I need something to kill the time tonight. Open Hamilton. Not tonight. That's too long to watch. Let's go back to Netflix and see what they got for me. And this movie I saw had a had a little hype a couple weeks ago when it came out. And goddamn was I glad that I watched it. Because Amy Poehler directed this movie called Moxie that came out most recently. And it's about this young girl who's going through high school. And, you know, she's going through all the typical stuff that you kind of go through. And all those same characters that are causing shit and creating life or creating a life that just kind of isn't always great to come home with and everything and then it takes a turn and it's an empowering story about how these young girls can band together and fight back and rebel against especially in America a I guess upbringing that is always promoting males to kind of skate through the system, especially if they play football, especially if they're the captain of the team and they kind of get to walk on water because of that. They get away with a lot of shit. And this takes that and shows how women can at least empower each other to figure out a way to get back at that system and challenge that system more frequently than it is. And kind of really just take that whole genre of things head on and completely flip it on its head so i would absolutely recommend moxie if you haven't seen it or you're curious about it amy poehler is in it playing the mom she's she's funny like she normally is but i feel like she doesn't take any of the spotlight away from the young actresses of this movie and i think that's kind of bold of her too to put it all on the message and not go with star power at all so check out moxie going from that number three a movie we have all shown and expressed love for because it still sits atop the rickman scale right now as our highest rated movie that we've talked about and that is palm springs so if you want to go back and check out our palm springs episode you can get more in detail with that but absolutely loved it if you want to do this groundhog day story over and over again and show up in all these different mediums and yet somehow an indie one comes out and it's actually fresh and original and feels like I haven't had to compare it to every other thing and iteration I've seen that's a time loop. That's something special. And if you can do that and make me laugh and you can put J.K. Simmons in it, that's just all bonus points right there. That's gravy. That's gravy for me. 
going from that, my number two, Promising Young Woman. I would... It's just... It's a heavy-handed story uh, about a girl... A woman, sorry, that is kind of getting back and... She's faced some tough things. I won't spoil too much of the story. She's faced some troubles in her past and she starts to play drunk in bars, overly drunk because men are disgusting and will try and prey on that. And so they will take her home and she will immediately, once she gets in an, a posi- an unsavory position, snap out of it and completely call them on their shit. And she is not or She is completely sober and she puts them on the spot and challenges them completely freaks them out and tries to i guess give them a chance to course correct their ways from being shitty human beings and the the end of this movie takes that and turns it up to about a hundred and it's fucking insane i'll say that i won't say anything more than that but was not seeing that ending coming once you do get a chance to see it too but completely completely endorse this movie and carrie mulligan absolutely deserve the nomination i do hope she wins i'm not holding my breath for it but i think she deserves it so let's not forget the great um rendition of britney spears's toxic used uh at a certain point in the movie that's the other thing too i was like the soundtrack of this (laughs) is all like a lot of very great songs that exist but they're all just redone uh, recomposed uh, different renditions of it. There's an It's Raining Men one in there. But yeah, that toxic one that Sam's talking about, it's like a very slow, haunting violin version of it. There's no words to it at all. And I remember commenting on it in the middle of the movie when I was sitting there to Jess, and I'm like, this is toxic. Is Do you know if there's words to this version? I want to go listen to this right now. <laughs> it was so good, that version of it. So also, just look up that. Yeah, a really good... Bo Burnham performance, like solid. The guy's a that good guy's actor. That guy's sneaky, really talented. Yeah, absolutely. Like very, because he did what was eighth grade? Eighth um, grade. Yeah, he did eighth grade, and now he did this one. He's he's putting together quite a good career behind the camera, and as well as in, in front of um, Big Sick. And he was in Big Sick. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dude's that dude's crushing it, and this is another thing under his umbrella that is absolutely worth it but with that we're down to our number ones so the covid 10 we're down to the covid ones so we each got a chance here to pitch our favorite thing that has happened that we've seen and watched and endorse over covid starting with sam lay it on him okay number one boys uh i'm going with a movie that is Nominated for Best Picture, saw it most recently, uh, and it blew me away. Sound of Metal, starring uh, Riz Ahmed. Uh, this movie, like, it is heartbreaking. Um, it is visceral, like, you know, emotional it's immersive it's just such like a powerful movie and i it's a very small movie it it feels very indie and it's crazy and you know i'm i'm happy that it's getting oscar attention 
But Riz Ahmed, I think someone that we've kind of had our eye on ever since. When did he pop up? Was it Nightcrawler? He was. He was no. He was uh, toxic in um, Venom. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He was in that. He was. Uh, he was in Rogue One. He was in Rogue that's One. The first time I remember him, and I know he's got his own music thing going on as well. He has his own music thing. He was. In, I think he was in an HBO show. Um, oh yeah. Speaking of Venom, I saw recently someone posted that like the main, all the main actors in that movie, everyone's Oscar nominated. Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Riz Ahmed, and now and now uh, Woody Harrelson, I guess, right? He's going to be in the sequel. That's, yep. that's a lot of Oscar nominees in a Venom movie. Anyway, uh, Sound of Metal about a, a heavy metal drummer who gets rapid hearing loss. Um, it's a like it's a scary experience. Like I can't imagine. It's something you just don't want to think about is something like just losing such an important sense like you're hearing. Um, and the sound design in this movie is like incredible. They really put you in Riz Ahmed's character's like head, his like his being. You, you, you enter certain scenarios and scenes hearing what he hears, which is barely anything. And then, you know, throughout the story, I don't want to spoil too much, but like they just really uh, capture what it would be like to be him in that scenario through the sound, the use of sound. And it's amazing. Um, He puts such a great performance on the screen um, all through like just his eyes, his face. Like he's just, he, he's so it's a performance just using his face. Uh, it, it's it's a great movie um one that just like te- like it just it well at least what i took from it was you know there's gonna be a lot of shit thrown at you throughout your life and it's important to just be okay with the things that are thrown at you and just roll with it learn to adapt um because like his character really has to come to terms with with this and um yeah i mean i can't rave about it enough it's uh it's available to rent wherever you can rent your films it's on prime now isn't it uh i thought it was but it's not at least for us in canada i don't know i think it is on prime video in the states but um yeah if you do have access to it wherever that is i would seek it out it's it's amazing now listening to him play the drums throughout this at any point was he pushing or pulling (laughs) it was definitely not my tempo i would say that (laughs) uh there he does have a crazy uh drum performance right in the opening and it's like super loud and it's it's a great um contrast to what the rest of the movie gives you because there's lots of moments of silence um also, real quick, I want to shout out. Uh, there's a a guy, Paul Racy. I think he, so. He gets nominated. He's nominated for an Oscar for his performance in this movie. He's kind of like this uh, this mentor at at uh, this like kind of camp for people that are deaf and like other um, disabilities and like addiction and whatnot. Um, 
it's such like a a quiet understated like emotional performance and i it's one that doesn't often get recognized and i'm so happy that he 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 is and he's like 70 something years old getting nominated late in his life it, it's just it's it's really cool i don't think he's gonna win but uh i'm so happy that it they he pulled through so anyway sound of metal well who knows we've had many older actors late in their career win oscars aka mark rylance on to kyle number one <laughs> okay so i'm just gonna say it right now this is not a reflection on a film that came out technically today i just don't want to talk about it today because i'm off of four hours of sleep so Zack snyder's justice league is not my number one now if you're like oh my god he didn't love it i'm not gonna tell you how i felt because I'm exhausted and I we are having a whole episode about it next week. So if you want to hear if it knocks out my number one, listen to next week's episode. But until that point, my number one is a show. Yes, it's a show that came out on a different streaming service, but I was not going to pay for that streaming service. But then it decided to upload the first two seasons and then its third season at the start of this year and that's cobra kai this show was incredible it is the best kind of reboot cool sequel in that it gives you new compelling characters but is completely respectful of the show it deserves to be my number one alone because it is somehow working without the late great pat morita that in itself is incredible I did not know I had this burning passion for the Karate Kid franchise till I watched Cobra Kai. And after seasons one and two, which I believe came out in August, something like that, around then, I then went through all the movies, not the Jaden Smith one, but I watched the three with Daniel LaRusso and then the fourth one with Hilary Swank and then watched season three all in one day. And this third season had me audibly cheering at the screen. And that does not happen very often. If you love almost 80s in now, but not just ripping off the best 80s things, <clears throat> Stranger Things, I would highly recommend Cobra Kai. It is a lot of fun. And it was the best thing for me near the end of that summer when we realized the pandemic was not going away. <laughs> So Cobra Kai never dies. Wax on, wax off. <laughs> it's definitely something I got to catch up with because I know you and I know Kevin Smith rave about it constantly. So it's constantly on my mind. I will get to it one day. But it was just the movies were never my thing. I'll put it that way. So it's, it's hard to jump in without that emotional attachment. My number one. It's gonna. It's already made both of your lists, and this is gonna piggyback off what Sam's last point about it was, because Kyle had had it higher up, Sam had it higher up. They didn't have it as their number ones, and I took that personally, because <laughs> <laughs> the last dance <laughs> is my number one, and piggybacking off that Jordan meme. Yes, yeah. um, this one talking about the Bulls, their historic run. 
Michael Jordan's big, I guess, final season with the team in 97, 98, but this kind of chronicles back to 93 or whatever. And it rewoken a lot within me because back in those days when I was like two years old till eight years old, whatever, huge Chicago Bulls fan, you could have asked me any of the stats for any of the players, if they were on the bench, if they were the main players, any of it. I had that shit on lockdown. It was in my head constantly. My mom worked in a footlocker. She would bring me in an hour early so I could stand on a bench there and people would ask me questions and I would nail the answers. Anything about the Bulls. I had like the full Adidas get up. I had the Jordan ones, little kid size. I was all about the Bulls. So this reawoken Cigar, all that in me. glass of scotch. Absolutely. <laughs> the yellow eyeballs. As a young man should. Um, and yes, so rewatching this, it reawoken all those stats within my mind. No, of course not. That didn't happen. You know how many drugs I've done? You know how many pointless movie facts I have in my mind now? All that stuff's been pushed out. But it did reawaken a lot of familiarity with these characters. Seeing Dennis Rodman, Phil Jackson, Steve Kerr, Pippen and Jordan, of course. And all the classic, I guess, superstars from the NBA in that time. Sam mentioned Jordan was bigger than life at that point in time. And it was true. Everybody knew him. He was every endorsement deal ever. Like, you couldn't look anywhere if you went to a shopping center or anything like that and not see Michael Jordan somewhere. Like, he was larger than life at one point in time. And it's crazy to get to see all this footage that didn't exist till now for the viewing public and really get inside the mindset of how athletes think, especially Michael Jordan, who literally did take it personally when people did shit on the court or... the quotes they said to the public and everything and just to see how the mindset and people tick that are at the top level of these athletics, their athletic prowess and just to see how crazy they kind of are is, is quite an interesting thing to watch it. I know the NHL did it a while back. They've stopped doing it, unfortunately, but they did like behind the scenes when it came to the winter classics and we're so good, so good. And like, seeing how crazy Bobrovsky is as a goalie was amazing and like I love getting inside athletes mind and just seeing how much I do not tick the same way they tick and now it makes sense why I never went anywhere with my athletics and yeah I would absolutely recommend just this case study and this highlight reel and the amazing soundtrack that exists that'll take you right back to the 90s the last dance absolutely was my favorite thing this year. I might actually watch it again soon now that I'm talking <laughs> about it. It like Michael Jordan being so driven to just win. It's all about winning. If he loses, he gets furious. Maybe he keeps it inside, but you know the next game he has to win. So you yeah, like you begin to understand this guy. Now with a, this upcoming Tom Brady documentary, I'm just like, I know the guy's won a lot, um, but is he like, I feel like Jordan was kind of a complicated guy. Does Brady seem like he would be like be good f- as subject matter for a documentary besides, wow, look how great this guy is at throwing a football? Like, is there anything else to his story? 
Like, I've seen the Tiger well, one as well at this point. And right. that one is like a more toned down Michael Jordan one where it's like he had some stuff going on, but it was never crazy, crazy. Like, it felt like Tom Brady seems like we're going to watch the most vanilla man who just sits around his house and maybe <laughs> bakes a crepe or something. <laughs> And then he just goes and he wins a Super Bowl. I just know well, like, the lure of the last dance was all the footage from this time that had never been seen before. Yeah. Like since 2000, like I guess outside of social media, like I feel like we know everything. Like Belichick's not going to be like, all right, here's how we developed our like, I don't care. The, like, I really don't care about the Tom Brady one. And even like this, the, supporting characters say like in jordan's story on on the team like there's like actual interesting people with rod rodman and pippen and and you know the coaching staff whatever like and there's like conflict and drama like that it's so baked in i just don't see what the brady doc would could possibly make of his life besides like maybe things we just really don't know I I think it's going to be like uh, he he's like very intense with like his like winning and everything like that. Like I think all of that's going to shine through, but I think it's going to be like a not as interesting version. Like maybe if they get Gronkowski in there, he's a fucking idiot, so he'll do something funny for camera, but I think like the most crazy thing that's going to happen is people realize Tom Brady's supported trump this whole time and like he probably did some things and like i think if that comes to light if they have some angle with that that might shock people's minds but besides that <coughs> orchids of asia that, what? Uh, <laughs> um and i think that's one thing maybe with the last dance that i wish that they could have gone further and obviously they did touch on it on on jordan's gambling but um i imagine they could have gone further with that like and i know that jordan has a producing credit and like was heavily involved with the doc. So it's great that he included things that, you know, don't exactly look great on him, but I imagine they could have gone a lot deeper. Yeah. Cause there's that whole angle with the gambling. There's also how his dad ties into that. And his dad was like a womanizer and how he kind of picked up those traits from him as well, which they sort of confirm and hint at, but they don't ever, take that next jump to be like we're blowing the door off this thing tiger where they're like yeah earl was sleeping with everyone yeah (laughs) yeah it's absolutely kind of the opposite there uh but yeah i think that'll that's gonna put the pin in our top tens our covid tens so if we want to just briefly go over them quickly starting from 10 going down to one just a nice fast final list if you guys missed the title on something but it sounded interesting here it comes. So we'll start with Sam, starting as number 10 down to one. Okay, here we go. So I had Greyhound, First Cow, The Circle, Small Axe, slash Lover's Rock, The Invisible Man, Murder on Middle Beach, The Five Bloods, Minari, The Last Dance, and Sound of Metal. I'll go Kyle's, starting at his number 10. My number 10, uh, Wonder Woman 84. Number 9, Mandalorian Season 2. Number 8, Umbrella Academy Season 2. Number 7, WandaVision. Uh, number 6, Howard, the Howard Ashman documentary. Number 5, The Last Dance. Number 4, The Boys Season 2. Number 3, Justice League Dark, 
colon, Apocalypse War. Number two, Hamilton, an American Broadway musical. And number one, Cobra Kai, seasons one, two, and three. There you go. And my number 10, Tiger King, then Love and Monsters, The Hunt, Raya and the Last Dragon, The Way Back, Come Play, Moxie, Palm Springs, Promising Young Woman, and The Last Dance. So there you go, guys. There's our combined COVID 10s. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely no sign of We Can Be Heroes anywhere. <laughs> like, I guess I'll just go unsung, but. I think that was a unanimous first. <laughs> like, first, first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just default. It, it was, was like, p- why would we include that? when everyone already knows how much we love that movie <laughs> it's god tier <laughs> so there you go guys you can check out all those you got a nice juicy list of stuff that you could check out that you might have missed while you've been living the covid life and checking out all this stuff but that'll wrap up our episode we got the covid 10 kyle's mentioned next week you can find out would he have a different number one with Zack Snyder's Justice League coming out. So we got a nice juicy four-hour movie to watch, and we'll talk about that all next week. And we'll have a nice special guest as well. Kyle, do you want to re free up? Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be very fortunate next week to be joined by Screen Rant's own... I almost called him Robert. Nobody calls him that. Rob Keys. So... We are very fortunate that he's going to be joining the show. He actually did a set visit in um, either late 2016. No, it was mid-2016 for the initial shoot of Zack Snyder's Justice League. So we'll get an inside scoop into what he saw and then potentially what he didn't see when he went and saw the theatrical cut. So it'll be cool to have a true professional working with us three professionals. So stay tuned to that. That'll be really exciting. I will have had more than four hours of sleep, and I will not have been falling asleep during the end of that episode. <laughs> yes, well, that's true. So we got Rob Keys coming on. We're excited to have him. He doesn't like Robert. Do we know if he likes Bobby Keys? Because I feel like Bobby Keys is like <laughs> no, a good. No, but I will ask. Yes, because I'm like that's an uncut <laughs> gem's name if I ever heard <laughs> Bobby Keys and his Furby necklace. Oh, yeah. So absolutely, we got Rob Keys coming on next week. We're excited to have him. We're going to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. We're going to talk about the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming out on Disney Plus because that's out tomorrow. So we'll get to talk about that as well. And then any news topics that pop up along the way as well, we'll throw in there. So we got a packed episode next week. And we'll see you guys then. If you have given us a listen on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, radio public or spotify thank you guys for giving us a listen we'd appreciate it if you guys give us a review any star system any wording wordage that you would like to throw in there feel free take the gloves off just let us know god damn it why didn't they all have the last dance as their number one that ryan guy's the smart one that's what we want to hear on those i'm completely fine I'll, i'll just i'll take a bullet for the team guys i'm completely fine if you do that go ahead we won't be we won't be upset at all with that we'll catch you guys for Zack Snyder's Justice League next week just remember the quest is good but we've taken it 
beyond.